Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more. Props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the show, I have an exciting guest for you guys. He is the 2014 Olympic gold medalist in ice dance, also an Olympic silver medalist in 2010, two-time world champion, all of that fun stuff. Everybody, it is Charlie White. The crowd goes wild. No, I think you're, over, you're overselling. I, if anything, I wish that you were underselling. Um, people are gonna Why? just be let down. Uh, I, I'm, I can't, I make no promises about being exciting. Uh, <laughs> my, my skating accolades are not going to help me here. I'm, I, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to bring to the table, Polina, but I'm going to try not to let you down. Hey, I think any words that you have, everyone is going to find very insightful. So don't sell <laughs> yourself short, Charlie. <laughs> we'll, we'll, um, we'll, when we get to the end, we'll sort of review and say if it, if that, if that still holds or not. All right. Deal. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, first off, you and your partner, Meryl Davis, teamed up in 1997, correct? Um, so that's currently the longest lasting dance team in the U.S. Talk about how you were able to grow together and maintain such a close relationship through all of those years. Uh, that was so long ago. Um <laughs> I I think um primarily our ability to stay together as a team and in a sense like thrive really um our parents deserve most of the credit I think that you know being 8 and 9 I don't I, I have trouble I don't know enough 8 and 9 year olds to be able to say for sure that like they are having these you know really like introspective moments where you know after having skated with a partner they're like you know I really I should have been more polite or whatever you know I didn't I didn't try hard enough today and I should express I need to keep the lines of communication open um I mean I definitely maybe there are eight-year-olds like that I was not like that I mean I'm still not like that um <laughs> but um our parents did a, a really great job of um just generally modeling the correct kinds of behaviors that you need to see between partners. I think um, our, uh, our respective families and then their relationship together um, really just created a, a good system for teamwork. And we were able to follow them. And in that way, we were able to learn how to um, 
work closely with someone and how to do that respectfully, um, how to create goals that you know are meaningful to you as an individual, but also align with um, another person, which is really hard. And again, eight and nine year olds, it, it, it seems like a, a skill that they haven't quite grasped. <laughs> and, um, so anyway, yeah, I think, um, I think our parents deserve just a ton of credit for, for laying the groundwork um, for our entire career, just in terms of, and, and specifically with regards to um, being a partner, being a good partner, the kind of partner that, um, that can be there, that can do their, their own job and who, who has the ability to recognize where their job ends as well, um, as that's obviously an important part. Well, it sounds like you had a great team of people helping you guys from the very start and guiding you along the process um, to make sure that you would be able to grow and work together uh, the way that you did. And I think that's that's really important. So we know environment is crucial to basically anybody doing anything they want to do, uh, but especially in sports as an athlete, especially as minors, as young athletes, like that's yeah. extremely important because it's shaping you. Um, yes. So it sounds like you had great role models, but I know you started off uh, doing single skating as well as ice dancing. So tell us a little bit about that. Like what motivated you to switch and focus to ice dance after that? Yeah. And how far did you get as a single skater? So I, I mean, I, I got relatively far. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think my last year I was at, at nationals competing in junior men. I think I got like, I don't know, 10th. I, I, I don't remember that one very well. Uh, <laughs> it was a blur. I won intermediate men in, I don't know, 2000 something. Again, this is a very long time ago. Um, I haven't checked my Wikipedia page recently to, um, I, I guess I should have done that before this. <laughs> but I, I, I love singles. I mean, I just, I love the act of skating. So I played hockey too competitively until I was mm -hmm. 18. Uh, and I was just at the rink all the time. And I think that the different forms of skating, they all aided the others. But singles was, for me, it was all about conquering, conquer thyself. Um, it's not know thyself, it's conquer thyself. And I definitely, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I was a talented skater. I don't know how that comes across. <laughs> I hope not too lame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but what I, I, I never liked competing really ever. I really liked feeling like I was improving in practice. And I think that the benchmark of landing a jump is just such a clear and, you know, cool guide to like improvement as a single skater. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's the reason why so many kids like singles and at the same time don't particularly love spins, although you know, <laughs> not you can't speak for everyone, Polina, you're an excellent spinner, but, um, Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, really, it's like, you know, you kind of like, okay, what is it? Seven, eight rotations. Like you stop carrying in a camel spin after a certain point, but landing your first axle, it's just like, it, you've, it's an epiphany in a sense. And True. it's really, it's part of, I think what makes the sport, the general sport of figure skating so attractive for youngsters is that all that hard work paying off. And it's so, so clear in singles. I think that in singles, I kind of, uh, I got lazy, um, which isn't easy for me to admit, but I think that was my ultimate downfall. And in ice dancing, I think the pressure of an accountability, you know, to someone else where mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, if I didn't warm up properly, if I didn't stretch, if I didn't go to ballet, 
you know, it wasn't just me that was going to be harmed. It was, you know, it was also affecting someone else. So I don't know. It, I don't think it was just to avoid feeling guilty, but in part, I, I think that I just was more conscientious as an mm -hmm. ice dancer. Um, and I think ultimately that made it more attractive. Mm -hmm. I think that my identity as a single skater was sort of like, eh, I'll, you know, so what if I pop all these jumps every single day? Like, I'm sure magically I'll just land them in competition, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is a terrible philosophy. Uh, and <laughs> it worked one out of a hundred times, which apparently was enough. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, an ice dance, you know, it's, it's so different. I mean, two, I, you can't make any mistakes in ice dancing, um, yeah. which is, which is both good and bad. But in terms of um, what drew me to it, I think that just consistency mm -hmm. that ice dance seemed to represent in my life um, generally was, was really attractive. And I was good at it and <laughs> it was fun. So those things deserve to be mentioned. And mm -hmm. I think are, are often the things which, you know, we try to downplay when we're saying like, why did you do this? And it's just like, well, I was both good at it and enjoyed it, you know, because it doesn't <laughs> seem like it doesn't seem good enough. I don't know. And maybe it doesn't make for a great story, but it's the truth. I know. I mean, that sounds like a very honest perspective that most people gloss over, as you would say. <laughs> so um, I, I like it. All right. I have a fun question for you here. Uh, before we get into kind of the last four seasons of your career and leading into that Olympic glory, but this one is uh, just about how basically you and your wife got together because you're married to Tanith now, who is formerly Tanith Belvin, who skated with Ben Agosto, um, also amazing ice dance team. And you and Meryl were quite competitive with them um, leading up to the 2010 games. So if I may ask, when and how <laughs> did um, you and Tanith connect on a personal level? Yeah, I think, well, t yes, any question about Tanith is a fun <laughs> question. Um, can't go wrong talking about her, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm expecting that she's going to be listening to that. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, Tanith and I obviously got to know each other just training side by side for a long time. I, I mean, I think our friendship really grew out of a mutual sense of humor. Mm. Um, for her, for me, it was easy on the ice to always be laughing. It was not so easy for her. Uh, but off the ice, she had this, there was a switch and she was just a joy to be around. And she made like everyone like a better version of themselves. And I think that was just inspiring. At a point in her career, she, you know, she changed coaches and moved to the East Coast. And I think it was sort of at that point for both of us, we, we realized like, wow, really missed this person. And I, <laughs> and I would like to keep in touch. And so we did, and, and our relationship grew from that. And just taking the time to just talk with one another. And, and we didn't, you know, it was, it was like basically the Olympic season, uh, mm -hmm. 2010. Yeah. Um, and we were competing against each other. I think for a lot of people that strikes them as odd, and it probably <laughs> just is odd to, to be in a relationship with someone that you're competing against. But I think the benefit of ice dancing and maybe figure skating in general with regards to interpersonal relationships, any kind of friendship, is that you're not literally facing off with the person that you're competing against. And I think that with the right philosophy, you, you can understand that you're just going out there and doing your best. Mm -hmm. um, fundamentally, I think as, as competitors, as, as elite competitors, we do want everyone to do their best and then we want to beat them at their best. 
Yes. Um, you know, because that's otherwise it's sort of like asterisk. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I, and so I think that we, we maybe were forced to have a, a healthier perspective on what it is to be a competitor, maybe specifically in figure skating, but I think probably more generally. And, and, and so I think from that time we spent just talking, but also the meaningful common ground we generated through that shared experience, mm-hmm. it gave us um, a very unique connection and, and also just a, a, a kind of an interesting and different way of looking at the whole world. And I think that ultimately it was in sharing in that mm-hmm. meaningful conception of the world where we could appreciate each other even more and, and, and also sort of what our time spent together, how meaningful that was just in and of itself. So mm-hmm. it was not, it was not hard. <laughs> Maybe that's, <laughs> that's like, good. <laughs> that's too obvious from, you know, how poetic I've been waxing, but it, we it love was, it. You're it a was, wordsmith. I, I tried way too hard. I mean, what people can't see, you know, the dictionary in front of me, I'm just feverishly flipping through. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, it was, it was a joy. It was really, and the 2010 Olympics were, I think my favorite event, being able to experience the the whole thing with Tana, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, essentially, uh, it was just, it was beautiful. Uh, And, and I, it's hard for me, you know, to, it's hard for me generally to not be sarcastic or ironic, but I, I mean that, you know, really, truly. It was a, it was a beautiful thing and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think set, set a great precedent for our relationship. That's really awesome that you guys were able to share something like the Olympics together because that is such obviously a monumental <laughs> like experience in anyone's career, but as yeah. people, I, like, it's just so crazy and wondrous to be there so that's cool it is crazy (laughs) (laughs) and you went to two of them meddled at two let's get right into this uh just a little bit about leading up to the 2014 games because you mentioned about how uh when you're competing against others on the ice uh, you want everyone to do their best and you want to beat them at their best right so you and Meryl were neck and neck with Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer for basically from that you know silver medal um, in 2010 it was really intense all the way to earning your gold uh, in 2014 so how were you able to stay consistent um, with your performances and handle those like just essentially having a consistent like rivalry competitor wise be so intense too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, that was hard. It was, it, I don't think I have a very interesting answer. I think it was the culmination of our entire career, which allowed mm-hmm. us to manage that. And, and that's certain, that's what it felt like. It felt like management for, especially I think the last two years, I think, you know, we just like, we won every event. There was like a schism in our understanding because like there's this past version of us that we carry with us. And it's like, as, as we just kept winning, it was just like, yes, this is like, this is the goal. Like you're doing it. And then there was like current me, which was just like, why does it still feel so hard? Like, is it getting harder? Is it just me? And then there was future me who was like, look out because the Olympics are coming, you know? (laughs) So there was this, there was, there's a real, um, battle going on, I think, in every elite athlete's head who um, has, especially 
the internal expectation to become a champion um, at Olympic Games, especially when you're competing against a team like Scott and Tessa. I think that the only way we were able to get through that um, and skate well was by relying on each other. You know, both Meryl and I, we had up days and down days, just like everyone. But um, but our history together, the um, the consistency that we've had that we'd had as a team, all of the worst moments of our careers, I think, were like actual saving graces. We saw that we had survived that. And I think being able to have someone who had a healthy perspective on life, um, you know, and our being able to say like, we could fall, like we might actually make a huge mistake. Like we might almost win and not, and, and like, we'll be okay. You know, like <laughs> we'll still be us. Um, that, that wasn't at the forefront of our minds. That would, <laughs> that would have been too easy and like healthy. Um, <laughs> So I don't know. I, I don't know if I would recommend anyone to find themselves in the in the position that I was in, um, <laughs> except insofar as it's it's really it's a it's a telling experience. It tells you who you are mm-hmm. um, and it tells I think that when you're done with it, it shows you maybe who you who you want to be when you're done mm. with it. And, and, and so I think um, we did our best given the coaching that we had from Marina Zueva, who was an expert who, you know, she, mm-hmm. she knew how to help guide us, you know, on the ice, you know, with her psychology, with her art. But at the same time, we were adults and, and she knew that we could handle it. And, and we did. And, but it wasn't easy. And, and I, I can't say that it was particularly fun either, but in the end, I think that it was, it was something that we really grew from. And, and for that, I'm grateful. That's awesome. So who were you, did you discover, and who did you want to be after the games? Let me turn that uh, saying back around on you. What did you I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't think I'm paying you for this therapy session. <laughs> um, <laughs> so who did you find? Um <laughs> <laughs> just just so people know she you, you know, started she's writing she's writing furiously in a little notebook uh no mm-hmm. she, no she isn't these these questions are just popping into her head easily which is um <laughs> more than I'm actually just stalling because I didn't have a good answer um no I think I I think I saw someone who believed that competition was the point of the whole thing mm-hmm. and looking back I would have an arg- I would want to argue that point with younger me. I would want hmm. to say, you know, I think that's it's not the whole story and and you're actually you're limiting what you're able to take away by having such a specific viewpoint. Um because the competition was fierce, you know, I extend generosity to young me. I I understand <laughs> why I felt that way. I don't think mm-hmm. it was unreasonable given the situation. But at the same time, it was it wasn't it wasn't co- quite complete. And, I, and but I wonder too if maybe it's it's one of those things where it's like it had to be that way so that I could learn. You know that it might be the kind I haven't met anyone that was like yeah no I like I I had just totally the right healthiest perspective and I did it and <laughs> that's true and I'm fine and I was always fine. I I, I don't know maybe that no. person I'm sure. <laughs> um, and so in that way, I think yeah, it's it's after winning the person, the person that came out of that was tried to 
find a general theory of what made it all worth it. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I kind of held on to the conception that there are so many lessons that you learn about yourself, about the world, about life in general, mm-hmm. that stem from skating, oh, competition, you know, or sports in general, maybe you could, you yeah. could generalize it, but um, that make it, it makes it all worth it. It makes this ridiculous, absurd journey, mm-hmm. uh, super stress-filled journey worth it. <laughs> But I've recently, I've recently, I've recently added to that. I don't, I, I don't think that even is enough. And I, mm-hmm. for a while there was, it was just like, can, can I look someone in the face and be like, hundred percent is worth it. I think that it, it can be worth it if you can appreciate figure, the act of figure skating as an end in itself mm-hmm. in the way that we can appreciate dancing and singing as acts, not performances not competitions but you're at a wedding and you go onto the dance floor and you and you dance you don't do it for the sake of everyone around you you don't mm-hmm. do it to get to the end of the song you do it because it's a type of human flourishing and and in that is the point and i think that skating at its best and when we say in interviews I'm passionate about skating. It's those moments that we experience that that are hidden beneath all of the stress and pressure and expectation, um, the twisting of uh, of that passion for the sake, mere sake of competition. You know, we can exploit the idea and concept of the passion, but there it is still there, and I think that that is the aspect which ought to be talked about more considered both intellectually and practiced yeah I think it needs to be practiced because I don't think it deserves it gets the attention in a skater's daily existence or weekly or monthly or however often you can really commit to like enjoying the act of skating it's Mm -hmm. just not there enough skating in general will would benefit from that but I think more important to me is like just individuals you know Mm -hmm. who, who are experiencing skating there's a part of them that is just, yes, in love with it. But, you know, we don't want it to be like an abusive relationship, you know, where you keep coming back because it's just like, oh, I love you. But like you keep making me hit the ice and you keep making me feel sad <laughs> at competitions. And I'm like, I'm not good enough. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's not that's not so cool. So I don't like mm-hmm. that. It's it's really interesting that perspective i loved the whole flourishing like enjoy it because of the moment like the art that it is and not because of the result that you're gonna get at the end of it uh which i feel like as competitors we are just so goal driven um and that is what we're training for and you know all these like major steps that go into that final competition uh it does feel that's where the pressure does come from but it's funny, like what you said was exactly what my dad told me um, in one of my final seasons skating where I was still very goal driven and it became one of those like, is it worth it? Um, because if you're not enjoying the journey and the process, which sounds so cliche and annoying, but like, honestly, if, you, if you're not enjoying just the aspect of skating, no matter what the result is, it's, it's never going to be enough. Um, and I, it, it's really hard to come to that realization as an athlete too, especially when you've been doing it for so long. Um, yeah. But it's important that 
people do start taking that into account if they're going to continue um, and well, really I hope that they get the most out of it. I, I agree. And I think because we start so young, most times, mm-hmm. our, our whole identity, you know, our, our, con- our own concept of our identity is shaped almost primarily by being a skater. I think because mm-hmm. of its uniqueness, it really, it's, it's, it's a driving thing which separates us from our peers, you know, at school or whatever. And we latch onto that as a way, you know, because kids like to feel special. And, mm-hmm. and so by committing ourselves to this thing which makes us special, you know, we become, we co- become the thing that we want to. But I, I think that so many skaters go through a period where they, they, they feel like they're going through the motions. They don't know, like to say, to even consider, I, maybe I could stop is to, is to chip away at the foundation of their self-conception. And it's like, it's too much for them. Yep. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> I remember it's too that much feeling. For them to, yeah, to consider that. And I think one of the things that I'm eternally grateful for, and to any parents that are listening, Mm-hmm. When I was like 10 and 11, I went through a spurt of like, you know, where you like skate around the rink, you, you just like, you just like retie your skates a whole bunch of times. And you just you, you kind of pop your jumps or you just don't even do them. And it's you're, you're just you're, you're not doing what you're there to do. Mm-hmm. And my mom came o- around the rink to me and she was like, look, like, dude, you don't have I don't think she said dude, but let's pretend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dude, you don't have to be here. Like, you're ostensibly I don't think she said ostensibly either I was 10 uh you're here by your own choosing and um let's go you don't have please don't just skate around like I have stuff that I would love to do and I was like ah wait I'm, I'm supposed to be choosing to do this and you know there was a couple of times throughout my career where you know she would kind of pull me aside and be like you're doing this because you want to do it right and and so I think in reminding me of that it helped me to, to have my skating be intentional. I think that was really hel- helpful and, and, and kept me healthier. <laughs> yeah. It kept my, my, inner, my inner dialogue and, the way, and my, my relationship with skating, it was healthier before that. Absolutely. It's, it's really interesting, especially from my perspective, having a parent as your coach, but really even without having a parent as a coach, like parents are so invested in their kids, um, sports, especially if you're making it to the elite level, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice that the family puts in, uh, to get you to where you are. So it, all of that culmination feels like a lot of pressure on a kid, um, to also continue and make the results, not just for themselves, but for everybody that's been helping them along the way. Uh, and that's, that's a crazy feeling for somebody so young to uh, be carrying like that weight. Um, so similarly for me, I was older. I was like 20 at the time, but that's when my parents were really like, I mean, if you want to stop, like, cool, let's go do something fun. And I was like, no way I can stop. Really? Um, but I, I don't think enough parents have those conversations with their kids like at a good age. I know it's different for everybody, of course, um, but it it's definitely a, a feeling of comfort to know yeah, that it is I okay. Mean, I, think, <laughs> I think what's hard is that it's the way, it's not like this is unique to skating, this concept no, of it's like, at, like anything. trying to validate 
having done something for a long time by continuing to do it, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, it's, it might be human nature even. And so I think that like, we're all in to some degree in many areas, you know? Um, and so I think it's hard because it, it requires the kind a kind of introspection from the parents to, for mm -hmm. them to be able to ask the same thing of themselves, whether it's mere continuation or going and winning nationals or regionals or sectionals or whatever, it's really hard to have, to feel like you need to validate mm -hmm. your, your skating. And I think that's part of what chips away at your ability to, to want to continue at all is to feel mm -hmm. like I, I, there's this constant pressure for me to show that like, it's in fact worth it. And I think that getting back to the idea of it being worth it just by the virtue of doing it, but it's like, well, it's expensive and it takes time. And it's like, yeah, but you know, what are you doing? What, what's your plan in this life? Like, what exactly are you going to find that is something that is actually worth doing? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And <laughs> that, um, you know, because it's like you go to, you go to school, you go to kindergarten, first grade prepares you for second grade, for high school, for college, for a job. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, you know, based on just societal convention, it's all, we're validating all of the things that we've experienced for the sake of the thing that's coming up next, but not because it itself is somehow meaningful. And of course I'm generalizing and I hope that everyone listening is just like, actually, that's not my experience at all because like you're doing great. Um, I'm maybe just speaking from my own experience. <laughs> I mean, as we all should. Um... <laughs> all right, guys, say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. At a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. But yeah, I mean, well, let's get right into it. So you and Meryl retired competitively after that Olympic gold. So how was that transition for you? Um, talked to a lot of skaters about that retirement transition general consensus uh there is a floating period of feeling super lost difficult have you experienced any of that yeah i mean yes uh, definitely i don't think there's a way to not i great maybe cool. there is but it's it's like such a it's such a slim shot anyway yes i experienced <laughs> that and, and um but at the same time i had the benefit of of tanith having retired four years earlier and mm. so i saw what she went through and she was, she was there for me. Um, <laughs> she was really able to help me out. And, and, and not just in terms of like, God, what, you know, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? Um, Meryl and I were lucky to be able to do a lot of skating shows, um, mm -hmm. which isn't, we, we like doing skating shows, but it wasn't like something that we were like, okay, well, this is my life. Like I want to do this <laughs> forever. And, and sort of to just touch on what I was talking about earlier, it's like, you know, what are you going to find that is itself a good that isn't for the sake of another good? It's like my relationship with Tanith, I think, I think was it's the kind of sustaining 
um, presence in my life, which, you know, obviously I want, I have energy and I have things that I want to do. I don't just want to sit and stare at Tanith. I mean, I could actually do that, but, um, <laughs> that's, it. that's the rest but, of your life. Yeah. 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 I mean, there are, you know, I want to do things, but, but I think I didn't feel, I didn't feel pressure from her, which I'm, I'm eternally grateful to her, but I also didn't feel an internal pressure to to prove myself beyond merely being Olympic champion to say like, Oh, well, yeah, sure. He won the Olympics, but like, he didn't really like, you know, he's not, he doesn't even own his own business. <laughs> That's not the way my brain works for better or worse. And, mm-hmm. um, I knew that I wanted to finish my education. I had, you know, maybe gotten halfway through and obviously traveling and doing skating shows made that difficult. Um, but you know, I started chipping away and I'm, I'm, just about to graduate from the University of Michigan with my philosophy degree. Yay, yeah, you. undergrad. <laughs> and That's and awesome. It, thank you. It's, um, I actually brought it up so that you would compliment me. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I am so grateful that I had to like come back to school. I mean, relatively an elderly person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> going from high school, going from high school to college, I was just like, ah, whatever, you know, class is class, like try to get A's. After 2014 Olympics and like all of the stuff that we went through, going back to school, it was like, um, my mind was like blown by how awesome it was. And maybe because I, maybe because I could relate to the teachers and I could see their passion I, coming from where I was coming from, you know, being in a, in a sustained long-term relationship, having, you know, some accomplishments under my belt, I could, I could really appreciate their enthusiasm. And it made me enthusiastic about school and about learning and, and especially about philosophy. I have to say, <laughs> I don't think any of them are going to be listening. Kudos to the philosophy department at the University of Michigan. You guys are all like the coolest people really have have challenged it's been an incredible challenge for me to have to step outside of you know merely theorizing about figure skating which obviously I love doing but to consider you know every kind of philosophy yeah I don't know if that's disappointing I really should have had something cooler to say there Um, it's broad it's it's broad it's a lot it's a lot to think about and um and and I think that as I as I continued along my path of education, I began to see tremendous connections between the kind of critical thinking that goes into philosophy and the areas where figure skating in, in its community, um, it's what it is as a sport are like deficient, I guess, you know, like where, where there's some room for improvement. And, and I found that like really intriguing and, and inspiring too because um, I love skating and, and I know that I have a voice in, in the sport and I, and, I, and I think that I probably, you know, to the degree that there's something like an objective responsibility, I have that um, to help people who are going through skating. Um, I, again, I, I wish I had something cool, like not just to make the most of it, but, but and, and now I, I'm, I, I do wish that I had a better, you know, um, dictionary here, but like <laughs> to flourish, to, to experience skating as, as a beautiful end in itself, but also something which delivers on its promise of thrilling competition of, you know, important life lessons, all of these things. 
but it's clearly tricky because it's not happening often enough, at least mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, it's it's cool to hear you be passionate about kind of giving back to the skating community and staying involved and like using the tools that you have. Like skating is such a huge skill set that I think not enough skaters realize that they even have under their belts when they go and move on to the next thing. And that comes from all levels. I see so many kids, you know, graduate high school and drop skating uh, because it just doesn't seem like there's any value, you know, moving forward with the rest of their lives. And it, it just, I wish that there were more, I guess, opportunities and resources that were widely available to so many of us to be able to continue on with that passion because there's there's so much that can still be done um and i know that you and tanith are planning to open up a skating school soon Uh, in michigan yeah yes so tell us about your vision (laughs) with that yeah so so tanith and i are going to work with with another coach greg zuerlein um who i grew up with uh, at the Mm -hmm. detroit skating club Our, our vision is to just create, um, to just, there's nothing simple about it. I, you know, (laughs) it's as complicated as any of the answers that I've been giving or the nature of this conversation. It's, it's what I want it to be is obviously something that's accessible from, you know, the general public, but it, but it's really going to be geared towards, you know, like elite ice dancers. And, Mm -hmm. and so in that we have to, we have to start from, a lot of sort of basic presuppositions and uh, and a common ground that extends well into a person's relationship with figure skating. And I think that both Tanith and I and Greg both, so that's three of us, I think all three of us have had great coaching, have had great experiences, but is, have also have also been able to reflect and and understand what it what it means to be an educator um, the responsibility that comes with that and I think that at the forefront of our minds as we begin our our, um, as we begin our school in Canton Michigan by the way that's a plug (laughs) I think we're still finalizing the name so I don't sorry Um, (laughs) it's all good at the forefront of our minds is how do we help these young people flourish and there's that word again. And I think that um, from a pragmatic perspective of someone who's saying like, okay, well, you know, I'm paying you money for results. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's looking at it to, in, in sort of a short-sighted manner and, and it's mm-hmm. not considering, okay, <laughs> what, how does one get results, right? So uh, you got to step on the ice and you have to be able to deliver first and foremost. How do you do that? because we've seen a lot of people who manage and we've seen a lot of people who, you know, just are not able to, who who seem Mm -hmm. to have all the potential, but when competition arrives, they're not able to. And I think that it comes from, you know, the top down, the expectation. And I think that if, if you tell a skater in obviously maybe not these words, but like who you are is defined by what you do on the ice at this competition. That's just, it's, it's too much pressure. It's, it's more pressure than people know. Competition is already stressful. You know, Mm -hmm. the whole thing, like the people, the judges, it's, it's really hard and it's really nerve wracking, but you know, it's, it's really easy for coaches to kind of fall back on this concept of like, look, like 
you're going to be the, a better version of yourself if you could only go out there and do everything, you know, well, perfectly. And, and they're, they're selling them short on, on the whole thing. And, and ultimately what happens, I think, too often, and so I'm, I'm sort of describing our school in a negative fashion in terms of what we what we're, won't be aiming to do, um, but also speaking perhaps on some of the dangers of, of skating as I see now, mm-hmm. is um, this kind of objectification where, where mm-hmm. the skater sees themselves as a mere tool, as, as a mere, you know, means to an end, the end being success at competition and not as an end in themselves. And I think that for us, our striving in our daily experience, in the way that we want to represent the artistic components, the, the ideas of partnership and ice dancing, what it is to be judged, what it is to be a, a figure skater and have parents and family members, is, is to be as, as a person and what that represents is different for everyone, you know, and mm-hmm. so there is no easy answer, but I think it takes that kind of conscientiousness to send a skater onto the ice, at least it will be for me, and to feel like I've done everything I can. And that doesn't mean that I've, I've <laughs> input a certain code, which will, you know, send them, sh- you know, rocketing around the ice and to do everything perfectly. But to go into this event and past it, and mm-hmm. to do so in a healthy way, in a way that, you know, ultimately they're going to be able to recognize like tangible human benefits. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. That's my vision. I, <laughs> I like it. Um, I like the vision. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I've, I'm had down. A, I've had a lot, I've had a lot of great um, opportunities, you know, in, in coaching and in choreography to just stop, just be like, guys, let's, we need to stop. We need like, stop skating. What are we, what are we doing here? We need to, we need to figure that out because that's, that can't be an open question if we want to make the most out of our time on the ice. And I think that the best coaches in my experience in their, in the smallest utterance, in the way that they hold themselves and their professionalism are able to represent the kinds of ideas which mm-hmm. a young skater can themselves inhabit and take with them for the rest of their lives um, well beyond skating, but also onto the competitive ice in a way which will free them and allow them to perform in a way that, you know, their potential dictates. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like a beautiful culture that you want to foster. <laughs> um, well, and, and the reason I say that is because it sounds more so like not only are you developing skaters, but you're developing them as people, as humans. Um, and sports has so much to offer everybody in terms of building character. And uh, so there's just so many lessons that can be applied later in life. And it, it can teach a lot of confidence if built correctly. Um, but unfortunately today, and you know, always in history, there's a lot of occurrences where confidence is really torn down um, due to the environment, due to certain people in certain teams. So I think it's really cool that you guys do want to be a positive environment for the skaters that you work with and that you care more about their journey in skating and what they're getting out of it from not just a result standpoint, but as a human standpoint. So, wow, I'm excited for you guys. Love that. Yeah, no, it's super exciting. And I mean, it's like, I can, I'm just, I'm 
I'm now thinking back on everything I said and someone's gonna be like, oh, that's interesting. But like, what does that, what does that mean practically? You know, because I feel like I just haven't been trying hard enough to be funny. Um, <laughs> it's like, in, I, was, I was coaching some skaters today and mm-hmm. you know, one of them is like yawning, but like obviously doesn't want to show that they're yawning. And, and so I was like, we need to normalize yawning, okay? Like, <laughs> bodily functions are like, it's okay. It's okay to be a person, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's funny, but like, you know, in times where, I, I don't know about you, but like, for me, like, if I would fall and like, actually hurt myself, I would be like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I can't even allow myself to think about the fact that I've been hurt. And it's mm-hmm. like, in those moments, you deny that the fact that you're a human. And it's like, it's not you are not a weak person to say like, I am injured and I need mm-hmm. to stop for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, you so know, true. and even, even to just be like, I have to go to the bathroom, you know, like I've yeah. had skaters who it's just like, your legs are crossed. Like I can tell, like get off the ice, please, <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously beyond that, I think being able to just open conversations up mm-hmm. where, you know, talking about mental health, talking about mm-hmm. physical, mental um, you know, both of these components and how they, how they're feeling, how they're doing. And, and then, you know, we're going to have, you know, a, an incredible referral network of, you know, of, of therapists, of um, physicians, of where the skaters will, you know, have met them, we're going to bring them into the rink, make them comfortable. So it's not like this scary thing, like, oh my gosh, I don't know who to talk to or like, you know, so there will be protocols. So there will be, like you said, it's where it's an, an entire environment shaped around making the right decisions also easy instead of mm-hmm. like an unnecessary challenge. Yeah. Well, which is also really fascinating because I, I was just talking with Mariah about this at Skate America when we were there, but just also within just coaching culture and any type of sport culture in general, we kind of have this older generation that has gone through so many different skating history, skating moments, and just the way that we've produced athletes. Obviously, mental health has never really been um, at the forefront of those things. And there's so many uh, sensitive subjects that have just been completely bruised, obviously, uh, for so many athletes. And I feel like now we're kind of in this era where a lot of of the younger generation that's now um, making those steps and becoming coaches and trying to build new environments, we are taking those things into account and we are motivated to make things better um, for upcoming generations. And I think that's, that's really cool that as you were saying, you want to build that environment um, and you want to have those resources for people because if we're already making, you know, one or two champions every decade um, based off the old way, how many more could we have if people were cared for in ways that they really needed, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think that's, yeah. that too, I think is like, what does a champion look like to me? Is, is it's, you know, because there's two senses of the word champion. There's the literal winner, but then there's the way in which we say, well, he acts like a champion, you know, which is maybe how we we think of how we wish that all champions would act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, when I'm working with my skaters, I'm pretty upfront about that being mm-hmm. like, I'm training you to go out there and win mm-hmm. because that's my job as a, as a skating coach. But my job as a person 
Yeah. Who cares about you and everyone? Because I understand that we are inextricably linked. <laughs> we are mutually interdependent. Yes. Um, is to help you instill in yourself the kinds of qualities which would perhaps be defined in being the the best kind of champion and and what mm-hmm. that looks like and what that actually mm. is. Like um, and again, it's, it's, it's different for everyone with different dispositions and, and, and um, where they're coming from and where they're going. And I think that, that therein lies perhaps the, the, the hardest part and also the, the coolest part of being a coach. Absolutely. So uh, last few questions here. Um, second to last being, what is the best lesson you've learned from your skating career? Could be anything um, that has transferred <laughs> to your life now. That maybe, and it could be something you realized early on, or it could be something that you've reflected on. Um, no, actually, you know what? It's it's pretty easy for me. I, I I mean, there's a lot, obviously, and I think we've I'm, basically mm-hmm. everything we've been discussing has, yeah. has, has, has been takeaways <laughs> from skating, and I think that they're really important. But being a good partner, I think mm, to me, is, like the, is the primary one. Growing up with Meryl and just going through so much together, of course, that like I wasn't always the coolest person to be around. But the two of us worked together mm-hmm. to, to be better. And, and in the sense, again, not just in figure skating, but as people, we grew by recognizing in the other person their strengths and learned to like embody that and brought that with us. And now, you know, in my relationship with Tanith as a husband, um, what it means to be for her a good partner um, has just, I'm... I feel so grateful for the time spent in figure skating and as a, as an ice dancing partner in, in knowing that I'm offering so much more of myself and I'm so more open and, and just generally a better person to be around. And, and now also as a dad, you know, because mm-hmm. it is also a sense of kind of partnership. Um, you know, the, the ways in which we have to interact with, with the, um, with our children, it, it takes, it takes in the introspection um, mm-hmm. to not just say, oh, well, you know, this is sort of like how my parents treated me. And, you know, because again, my son is not like me. He's not <laughs> at all like me. And if I treated him the way that I was treated, he would just be, he would just look at me and be like, what is going on? <laughs> and so, and so the patience, um, and, and mindfulness that one requ- one acquires from being in a long, important partnership, mm-hmm. um, have, have really improved my being a husband and my being a dad. Very cool. Are you guys going to have your son skate? Oh, oh <laughs> I don't know about that. I would love I think chess, maybe. I was hoping chess and coding. Um, <laughs> wow. No, um, I, I mean, it, look, if he, if he gets nah, on the ice yeah. and it's just like, I love this, I'm not going to be like, no. I think mm-hmm. it would be a lot harder. Like it, when I think back on my career and I think yeah. about like the, the external pressure of having you know, two parents who were, who were Olympians. Um, it just seems like it would just, it would add kind of an, an extra challenge that might not have been the coolest, um, (laughs) which isn't to say, which isn't to say, you know, it's wrong or bad. Um, it's just another thing to deal with. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. He, right now he doesn't like, we watch skating all the time and it, we talk about it a lot. So (laughs) maybe he's going to just be sick of it, but I don't know. I, I, if, if it makes him happy, if it's a thing that makes him happy, I'll, I'll definitely support him in it. 
I love that. Um, I have a very similar mindset where I do, I will not be pushing in any way. <laughs> no, um, yeah. If they end up being talented and really want it, like, cool, I'll jump in. But right. otherwise, I'm going to enjoy my vacation time. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so funny. All right. Well, um, last question. Just wanted to give you a shout out for being such an excellent team leader uh, in 2014 for just our little athlete group in Sochi. I personally love the experience so much, but as like a the youngest team member, um, I was very, I didn't know what to expect. And I knew everyone was way older than me and already had like connections with each other. Uh, so I was so stoked when I entered the team group chat and everybody was so kind, um, which you had actually entered me into. And I was like jumping up and down in my house, like, oh my God, Charlie White just texted me. <laughs> but I remember the Team USA onesies. I remember the dog pictures, all of that. So was that kind of like a culture you had wanted and planned um, to foster ahead of time uh, just because yeah. you were already at the 2010 games? Or is that just something that clicked once the team? That, that was something that, as a hockey player, I just, I so appreciated the camaraderie that came from skating. And I think that mm -hmm. the nature of the independent of skating, you know, our, we all go out there and we do our own thing. It really naturally leads to our kind of just being all over the place, not being a, a strong tight knit community. Mm -hmm. And um, going into 2014, I, I was like, I don't, if I'm going to be a leader, I don't want that to happen under my watch, whatever that means. And um, I recognized how meaningful it is to just have someone, because you know I had experience myself, show that they care about you, that that's the kind of thing which in itself can like free you up to just go out there and perform. And I think that for me, that's what I wanted for our team was to, was to be able to go and and feel like, we had enough people there just within our little bubble of, of, of Team USA um, to feel like there was enough sort of love and, and care. You know, it's little things like sharing dog pictures and creating a group chat. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of tangible stuff that matters. And I'm so glad that you remember it. Like, it honestly, it was like kind of touching <laughs> um, because that was, that was that, that was like the proudest moment for me of the 2014 Olympics was being the team leader was, you know, like the captain, whatever, you know, going to the, yeah. going to the press conference and speaking for the team like that to me, I loved winning the Olympics. I, I loved it. But it, in a lot of ways, it was more of sort of just a natural consequence of my lifetime of skating. Whereas, <laughs> and which isn't to downplay it at all. I hope it doesn't come across that way. Whereas my, my, the opportunity that was presented by being able to bring the team together, that was something which was like deeply meaningful. And even just us being able to talk about it, like my, my gold medal is somewhere in this bookshelf over here. You know, it doesn't keep me warm at night. It didn't make me feel less insecure about myself the day after I won it. But like meaningful connections are the kind of mm -hmm. thing that stick with you and inspire you. And, um, and so I think, Yes, it was, it was really intentional. And I don't know, I think we have a pretty good group of, of U.S. skaters these days. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're, they're kind of keeping that trend alive. I think that there's good camaraderie. It makes me really happy to see that if there is such a, th such a thing as a legacy and it isn't just like 
something we talk about. I, I, I would hope that sort of that's my legacy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can say that that culture that we had going into those games, like definitely made all the difference. I think of the entire experience for everybody, just because it was exactly like you said, people cared about each other. Um, and we had different things to focus on as humans rather than yeah. and, and enjoying a shared experience that is so monumental um, and special. And it wasn't just about the results. Um, and that was so cool. And I, I've heard from other stories of other Olympics of teams like not being um, as close. And so yeah. I personally am very thankful for that experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just me too. Thank you, Charlie. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you. Paulina. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much for everything that you've said on this episode. Um, that was some great conversation. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having your podcast. I think just it's a great platform where you're able to talk about things that matter. And I listen and I hope that everyone else is listening in because there's just a lot of good and it's important. You know, this stuff is it's important to talk about. And so I, I look forward to, to all of your future podcasts as well. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please leave me a comment. Leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my future podcast episodes. I release every Tuesday. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.